When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing the East podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a bit unusual is that only one of us sails. So I'm the sailor. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I really don't know much about sailing at all. I've done a little bit of sailing, but generally I'm known for breaking boats, not uh, enjoying the ride. But uh, I'm going to ask most of the questions Bela's going to try to answer. Now, today, Bela, as usual, you've come to expect from me, I am full of questions. Okay. Now, this one comes from something that came up in one of my classes that I teach. Uh, and it just happened last week, as a matter of fact. So this semester I'm teaching project management. And honestly, this is not my favorite subject to teach. Um, and you remember this, right? Gantt charts, PERT charts, budgeting, all this stuff. Um, and in the middle of class, the student's like, oh, I don't get it. And you know, sometimes you see, and even online, you see when a student is not connecting. And this is like, can you give me a simple example about planning for short projects? And I must have been, Bela, your ears were probably ringing. I must have been thinking about you and thinking about our podcast. And I said, well, let's talk about planning a, for a four-day sailing trip. And I have no idea where that came from, honestly. But it just popped into my head. And I was, like, really proud of myself for thinking on my feet, right, which is the mark of a good teacher, right? And then I realized, damn, I don't really know anything about planning a sailing trip, okay? Now, luckily, several of my students were pretty good sailors. So the example worked. They carried the load, okay? But I thought... Bela, let me ask you the same question. How do you plan your sailing trips? So let's use my classroom example and say that I want you to help me plan for a four-day sailing, sailing trip. What advice can you give me about how I should go about the planning process? Uh, that's a good question, Mike, and I think it's different for everyone. But as you were describing that, uh, your, your uh, situation in the classroom, you know, why don't we take a minute to remind our listeners, because uh, maybe they don't know, what our relationship is, how we met, and what sort of you can you still do, and what I did up until I retired. Just to kind of put the last uh, paragraph you just spoke about sort of in context. That's a good idea, Bela. Okay, so you want to start? Where did we meet? So we were both on the faculty. We were both professors at Clarkson University uh, in the School of Business. And uh, I taught entrepreneurship, and uh, that's how Mike and I met, because you were teaching in what area? I was also teaching entrepreneurship, but I was teaching it to the bachelor students, I think, as I recall, and you were teaching it to the master students, right? Yeah. And, yep. and that's kind of how we connected. And then you, st I think, started teaching venture capital to the bachelor students, right? That was kind of a new thing for a new you. new course and I developed. Right. Yeah. 
And that's how we kind of connected. And then, yeah, we just started hanging out. I mean, right. We just had coffee a couple of times. This was before you even started to drink coffee. Remember that was like your big thing, right? <laughs> that's right. You're and, the one uh, who got me into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now it's a habit, right? It's like entry drugs, right? But yeah. So <laughs> then at this point, you know, you and I worked together for, I don't know what it was, a couple of years, right? And, uh, um, worked on some curriculum development projects and hiring and all kinds of things. Um, and then I got this kind of crazy idea to move to Germany. Um, and so we wanted to keep in touch and I was like, well, Bill, let's work on a paper. Let's go teach a class or something. And you said, I've got this crazy idea. Let's do a podcast together. I love podcasts. And I'm like, I've never listened to a podcast in my life. You're like, what, but what do you do when you go running? I'm like, Bill, I don't run. I don't, I barely <laughs> walk. Okay. But you know, and you're like, really? You don't listen? I never listen to a podcast, but what I want, let's try it, try it. And let's do it. I'm like, okay. So it's really been kind of our way to stay connected. So I moved to Germany and then I think what a year or two later, two years later, you retired. Um, yeah. And so we use this as kind of our weekly talk about things that are interesting to us and keep connected and keep curious. And, uh, and we've been doing it now for a couple of years and, and it's fun. Yeah, actually, Mike, uh, we've been doing it for almost four years, our first oh, podcast, geez. which was, uh, so we did a, uh, we started our podcast on uh, entrepreneurial activities, entrepreneurship called the unconventional path. We have over 125 episodes, uh, that's still out there and we're still adding episodes. And then about, uh, a little less than a year ago, I think nine months ago, had this idea of starting the sailing the East podcast. And, uh, I talked you into that one as well. And, uh, not only, at least by now you knew something about podcasts, but you knew nothing about sailing. So we thought that would be sort of interesting. And uh, here we are. So that's yeah. that's just Ig a little ignorance brief... is bliss could be our subtitle for me, you know. <laughs> sort of a brief synopsis of sort of how we got there. So just want to put that into context. So we're, I, and I retired. So I'm a former professor. You're still teaching. And, I'm uh, working hard. For, I'm working hard enough for both of us, Bela. You are. You are. Yeah. You're right about that. So let's get back to the topic at hand. So how do you plan a trip? So. Uh, so with any good project planning, uh, the first thing we need to determine uh, is some important or key parameters, right? We need to figure out what the boundary conditions are. So for example, do we want to start and end in the same location? So is it sort of, uh, is our trip going out and back to the same place we started? Or are we going from point A to point B? So that would be question number one, Mike. Okay. I think out and back. Right. Let's kind of keep it simple. And I mean, I'm not I'm not going a long distance and I'm not going to fly back. So I want to go to go to point A, come back, leave from point A, come back to point A. How's that OK, say? good. So that's that's important to know. So we're going to do some kind of a loop or some kind of out and back. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many hours per day do you want to sail? You know, so, for mm -hmm. example, some people like to sail 10, 12 hours because it's all about sailing for them. For, for other people, they like to sail for part of the day, and then they like to stop someplace and either go swimming or go fishing or go hiking or go exploring a town, et cetera. So what, what are you sort of thinking of for sailing number of sailing hours per day? Well, you know, I'm not a 10-hour-a-day sailor, so let's go with four. I think that's about the most I can handle, uh, and then I can kind of spend the rest of the day hanging out and going to shore or cooking or eating or reading or doing whatever it is that I do. Nothing too 
I mean, I'm a, I live a low-velocity lifestyle, right? Nothing too radical. No scuba diving, no parasailing, none of those things. But let's do four hours of sailing and maybe the rest, you know, kind of relaxing. Okay, that's great. So out and back. So we'll probably do uh, four days. We'll go out and back, and we're going to average about four hours of sailing per day. So for planning purposes, I like to sort of estimate that we can do five knots is our average speed on the boat. So uh, it's a little a knot is a little faster than a mile per hour. So we're doing five knots. So in four hours, that means we can go approximately 20 nautical miles. So now, uh, and remember, we don't often sail in it. We don't always sail in a straight line. Uh, sometimes there's land in a way. So you, so you got to go around land and stuff like that. But we're going to, hey, we're going to, yeah. Can I ask another dumb question? Yeah, sure. Where does the word knots come from? Right. I realize it's a little more than a mile an hour, but why do we not use miles per hour in sailing? And where does the word not come from? And it's uh, K-N-O-T. I mean, I know that it's not N-O-T. That's right. It's K-N-O-T. And uh, if I was really quick on the keyboard, I'd Google this. But my recollect I may not be right about this. And, and maybe one of our listeners can correct me uh, and, and give the precise uh, response. But as with most things, if I don't know the answer, I make something up. But I think it has to do with the old days. They had a rope that was a certain length, and they actually tied knots in the rope, and they would drift it out behind the boat, and the number of knots that went out behind the boat over a certain period of time was how fast they were going. But I don't know you're, if that's correct or not. Bela, but it sounds good, doesn't it? You're, no, no, no. You're exactly right. I felt bad because I just did one of the, I broke one of the cardinal rules of podcasting, which is I threw you a curveball. That was totally ad lib question. And I Googled it while you were talking. And you're yeah. absolutely right. And this is according to the National Oceanographic, uh, the NOAA, whatever they say. I should know that. My friend works for them. The uh, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Authority. What's the second A? Center. Shoot. Oh. Oh, atmosphere. Well, whatever. Oh, my, my friend, oh, my friend's gonna kill me. Uh, na oh, National Ocean Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That's a mouthful. Uh, but according yeah. to them, that that's exactly what a knot is, and it was a a log, a a log piece of wood tied to this rope, and they threw it out, and that was it. So you got it. Now right. I learned something. Okay, <laughs> and and it's one knot equals one point one five miles per hour which makes sense because one nautical mile is 1.15 statute miles. Yeah. Never yeah. knew any of this. All right, so keep they, going. They, Sorry. Yeah. Once they, I won't throw any more curveballs today. No, no, that's good. Curveballs are good. Uh, I usually swing and miss. So, no, you did uh, great. So, 5 knots is our average speed and uh, I think 5 knots is a good speed for most sailboats for average, right? If you're motoring, most boats can motor about 5 knots. If you're sailing, you might sail a little faster, sometimes you might sail a little slower, but for planning purposes, I I like to use 5 knots. So, at 5 knots in 4 hours, we can go 20 nautical miles. So then the next thing we do is we get out a chart. A chart is the the name for a map. <laughs> and uh, so what we we get out the map or the chart of where we are. And uh, we put a little point as to where the boat is right now. And then we sort of draw a circle that's 20, 20 nautical miles in diameter. 
And so that sort of gives us an idea of where we can go in approximately four hours. And uh, I like to then look inside of that circle for places that might we might like to stop. So, you know, sometimes you want to stop at a town because you want to get off the boat uh, and you want to walk around town, uh, go to a restaurant for dinner or something, or a little sightseeing, as we were saying. Sometimes you just may want to get to where you're going and you want to anchor and you just want to chill on the boat and you just want to read uh, and you want to have dinner on the boat and then you want to sit out in the cockpit, watch the sunset with a glass of wine in your hand and then watch the stars come out. So you're going to think about sort of which of those scenarios you want because that might influence where you go. If you want to go to a town, then maybe you want to go stay at a marina for the night so you can get off the boat nice and easy and walk to town. Uh, or take a, an Uber or a Lyft to town or a cab. Uh, if you just want to anchor, then you got to find an anchorage. Uh, so, but the the part in, part part the the important point here is you got to get out the chart, draw that circle because you're going to go someplace inside that circle. So let's say uh, we're going to plan the first leg of our trip of this first day trip, and I'll, let's walk us through that. So the boat is uh, in a place called uh, Bullock Cove. Uh, in, uh, in Narragansett Bay. And so let's say we're going to go from Bullock Cove to Newport. Everyone knows Newport. Everyone's heard, not everyone, but most sailors have heard of Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, we're going to go there. If I to look at the chart, that's about 18 nautical miles. So that's nice. So that should take uh, about three and a half hours at five knots. And uh, I use something called Navionics which is sort of an electronic version of the paper charts. And uh, what, what we do is uh, the paper chart uh, has been digitized, and most people use various different forms of digital charts. And Navionics is great. Uh, it works on a tablet. It works on a smartphone. Uh, and it also is connected to, chart, to the chart plotter I have on the boat. The chart plotter is sort of the... Uh, nice waterproof uh, screen that is out in the cockpit that I can look at all sorts of information as to where, where we are. You know, think of the GPS in your car. Uh, and uh, so the nice thing about Navionics, it will, it will actually automatically figure out some routes for you. So if you put in a starting point and an end point and you enter the parameters of your boat, uh, <clears throat> meaning how fast it goes, the amount of draft it has, the depth of water it needs, uh, any other parameters that are important, uh, it will automatically figure out a nice, safe route for you. Of course, that's a motoring route, not a sailing route, and depending upon the wind, that, that'll vary. Um, so anyway, I put that into Navionics, and uh, it says it should take us three and a half hours uh, to get from Bullet Cove to Newport. So that'll be leg number one. This is cool, Bailey. You know, I love technology and I love stuff that makes your life easier. Yeah. Do you double check this on a paper map? Paper chart. Yeah. I use the right terminology. So Sorry, chart. Yes, yeah. I have. I have paper charts. And I'll tell you, I still like paper charts because on a on a nice big, you know, two foot by two foot piece of paper, I can get a big picture of where I am and where I'm going. It's just like every once in a while, I still like paper maps, maps in the car. Because no, even if I zoom out, 
on my GPS, I still don't get a good sort of overall view. The same thing is true on a boat. And, you know, electronics have been known to fail. So I like to have, even though I can get Navionic, I have it on my phone, I have it on a tablet, and I have it on um, the chart plotter. So I have three GPS systems on the boat. Uh, I still worry that, you know, something might fail. So I like to have paper charts. Now, the challenge going forward is, I think it's your buddies at NOAA. So uh, <laughs> I think it's your buddies at NOAA who make all the paper charts. I yeah. could be wrong. But I think they have said that 2021 or 2022 is it. They're not printing any more paper charts. Mm. So just like it's hard to find a paper roadmap these days. Um, so I'm not sure what will happen in the future. But at, at I, I do like to look at a paper chart. And I like to keep track of things on paper charts. It just gives me visually, gives me a better picture in my brain. And, and maybe some of that's just because that's how I grew up with it, right? I'm, that's what my brain is used to. Yeah. And I'm sure, that, like, I mean, we can cross back over to the world of entrepreneurship. Somebody will see an opportunity there and fill that. I think there'll be enough people, right, that will see a need for paper charts. Right, <laughs> right, that, right. right. They'll, will, be, they'll be, be taking the digital charts and printing them. <laughs> exactly. Right. Might not be the best for the environment, but it right. can work. So that right. sounds easy enough, right? You got this cool tool, right? You put in, here's what I want to do. And it kind of spits out some options for you and you make some choices. There's got to be more to that though, Bela. What else do we need to consider? Okay. So there's a couple of other things that can impact the trip. Uh, one of them is weather and the other is tidal currents. So uh, depending upon your location, um, it's not unusual to have tidal currents of one or two knots. So if you're only going five and you have two knots going in the opposite direction that you're going in, all of a sudden your average speed is now three knots. And, in, and you know, in, in, you can go a lot shorter distance then. Uh, or if the tide is going in the same direction that you're going in, then all of a sudden now your speed is seven knots. So you got to take into account tidal currents. Fortunately, where we are in this part of Narragansett Bay, the tidal currents are less than one knot. So you really don't have to worry about them. Now, here's an other sort of <clears throat> beautiful thing um, is uh, Nav Navionics has the tidal currents built into them. So you can actually see them. And you might ask, well, what causes tidal currents? Well, it's the tide. Right. What causes the tide? It's the moon rotating around the earth and the moon's gravity pulls the water sort of into the side of the earth where the moon is, which means the water from the other side flows to, from one side of the earth to the other. And so the tides go, change every six hours. So here again, you got to think that you might have the tide going with you for a while, then you might have the tide going against you for a while. So it's sort of another thing to, to sort of think about. Now, Bela, I'll save this story for another time because we've already kind of dragged this one out a little bit. But I'll have to tell you about the time just a few months ago that I went to the ocean and it was gone. The whole thing. OK, because of the tides. So I <laughs> get right. it that right that these tidal currents can be pretty strong. OK, so the this is cool. The Navionics can figure this out for you. But can you figure it out without the Navionics, without the digital tool? Yeah, so the new school is is Navionics or other 
electronic tools uh, that will show you the tides. It'll actually show the current, the height of the tide, et cetera. Uh, old school is there's actually tide chart books. So think of like an almanac type book with a, a date in it <laughs> on each page. And you can look up a location and a date and a time. And it'll tell you when high tide is and when low tide is and sort of when the max current is. So uh, that's, that's sort of the old school way of doing it. And uh, again, we're sort of moving to, you know, the new school stuff, which is electronics. And the great thing about tides is they're very predictable because people know how long it takes the moon to go around the earth. And so it's not, it's not something that, uh, uh, you know, you got to kind of figure out. Now, like you said, in some parts of the world, like where you're at, you can have tidal drops or changes of 20 feet or more. So you can imagine the current that that might um, precipitate, as well as when you, you got to be careful about the height of the tide, high or low, because it changes the depth of the water. So that's another thing you got to think about. But for most part, where we're going, we don't have to worry about those things. Charts will keep you where the water's deep, right? The charts also tell you the depth of the water, as well as obstacles and where buoys are and things like that. Um, so anyway, <laughs> tidal currents is another thing we got to think about. And then, of course, uh, the other thing is weather. Yeah, obviously really important. We've talked about that in a few previous episodes. What do we need to consider when we're thinking about weather and planning? So the good news here, Mike, is we're going on a four-day trip. Uh, and so the weather forecast usually for the next 24 to 36 hours is very good. So you're probably not going to get an unexpected storm to come up. I mean, a big storm. You might get a thunderstorm, but you're not going to get a big storm. <clears throat> so most of the times when you're going for these short trips, uh, you know, there's no reason to be out in bad weather. And quite frankly, I've been out in bad weather on longer trips and it's not that much fun. <laughs> so I like to, you know, I'm a good weather sailor. Um, and the good news is, you know, big storms are predictable. They can see them coming. So if, if you're not going long distances, uh, if you're only, then you can usually stay out of the bad weather. Summertime thunderstorms are a bit more challenging and they can pop up any time but most of the times they're short-lived you know you're in the you're in the thick of the thunderstorm for 15 20 minutes uh, usually not very long uh, and usually you can see them coming uh, they show up very well on my radar and the radar lets me sort of judge their intensity and speed and you know I can alter course I've done that numerous times when I see uh, thunderstorms building up but on a normal non-stormy day um, the things we worry about weather is basically wind direction and wind speed. So on this leg of the trip, we're going from Bullet Cove down to Newport. We're fundamentally heading due south. So as long as the wind is not from the south, we're okay. Because remember, on a sailboat, you can't sail directly into the wind. On, on our sailboat and our most sailboats, approximately, you have to be at least 30 degrees off the wind. So there's this 60-degree window in which you cannot sail. So if, if the wind is at zero degrees, you have 30 degrees to the left and 30 degrees to the right, you can't sail in sort of that cone. You have to be outside of that. So if, if we want to go south and the wind is blowing from the south, we have to sail 30 degrees towards the west 
And then when we get too close to land, we turn and we sail 30 degrees off the wind towards the east. And we sort of zigzag our way down to Newport. And of course, that makes for a longer sail because you're not sailing a straight line. So you're going to get you're not going to get as far in a, in a certain period of time. Uh, so <clears throat> and wind speed. So not so wind direction is important. If, wind, if the wind is in any other direction besides, you know, due south, we're in good shape. If it's east, east, west, north, we love it. Um, now, the wind speed is also a factor. Uh, wind speed of 7 to 15 knots is very comfortable. Um, as the wind picks up, uh, a couple things happen. Uh, the boat tends to lean over more, uh, and that can be uncomfortable for some people. Uh, also, the waves get bigger because what makes waves is the wind, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, so when you got 15 knots of wind, uh, you know, it can, the waves can start developing. And again, this depends on the size of the body of water. Narragansett Bay is not huge, so you're not going to get big waves out there that's going to impact our boat, really. Uh, we have a 45-foot boat, so it's not going to really impact us that much for the most part. Um, but you also got to think about if you have 15 knots of wind and you're going directly into the wind and you're going at five knots, then what's called the apparent wind is actually 20 knots. So the wind is additive, right? So with your speed, whereas if the wind is behind you and it's blowing at 15 knots and you're moving at five knots, then the apparent wind is only 10 knots. So even though they may say the wind is going to be 15 knots today, the apparent wind, because of the speed and, the, and you're heading into the wind, can be 20 knots. So that can affect you as well. And most sailboats, as the wind increases, have a way uh, a method for making their sails smaller, so reducing the sail area. So the wind, as the wind increases, you need less and less sail area. And actually, as boats lean over more and more and more, they actually become less efficient. So you don't want the boat to be leaning over a lot. So you can reduce the sail area. And on our boat, the way that works is both the, we have two sails on the boat, uh, the jib and the mainsail, and both of them sort of roll up like a window shade. So I can roll part of the sail up or a portion of the sail up to make it smaller so the boat behaves better as the wind increases. And other boats have various different ways of doing that. So that's another really, really important thing. Now, you might Bill, say, yeah. Bill, if I remember correctly, isn't that called like reefing or something like that? Isn't yes. there a technical term for that? There is. It's, you're exactly right, Mike. It's okay. called reefing. It's called reefing the sails. And usually at 15 knots is when I start thinking about reefing my sails. Right? And uh, at 20 knots, I'm definitely reefing my sails. It just gets uncomfortable. The boat's heeling way over. And again, it's 20 knots of apparent wind, which may not be true wind. Right? So uh, anyway, very good. And uh, there's two apps I use to, for, for uh, determining the wind, right? Because normal weather forecasts really don't tell you the wind that much. The, the marine forecast does. Uh, so there is a service um, for mariners uh, all along the coast. The uh, United States Coast Guard does it, I think, or maybe it's your buddies at NOAA. Um, they do a mariner's forecast. So it's just a continuous loop of weather. You can tune your uh, uh, VHF radio into it. On the weather, there's like six different frequencies uh, for weather, and uh, it'll give you the weather for your region and sort of the winds, the tides, the currents, uh, the temperature, et cetera. Wave height gives you sort of important parameters. 
uh, and it'll give you sort of a forecast as well. Now, there's also two apps. As with many things, there's apps for everything, and there's an app called Windy, and there's an app called Predict Wind, and they will give you a wind forecast for any place in the world. So they're really great apps. You can you open up the app. It ha, you know uses the GPS in your smartphone, figures out where you are, and it'll give you a wind forecast drawn on the map, direction and speed, uh, and uh, it'll also give you wave heights uh, for like the next seven to ten days. So it's really really cool, and uh, they'll of course the further out you get into the future, the less accurate those things are. But I use those uh, tools all the time to sort of figure out the wind. It's a much higher resolution than sort of the normal forecast. Cool. Bela, you know, I love these tools. This is great. That People think of everything, and it makes life so much better in so many ways, which is neat. Now, we talked about reefing the sails when the wind picks up. Is there a point where you say, I'm not going anywhere, and you keep the boat at, at port and, uh, and and wait it out? Is there Do you have kind of a threshold or something when you're uh, when you're planning? I do. I do. For, for me, uh, any, any wind above 25 knots or more, I'm staying put. Okay. Uh, any sustained apparent wind. wind. That's right. Apparent wind. So okay. if the wind is, you know, from the direction I want to go in, it's additive. Uh, so 25 knots or more, I'm going to stay put. Uh, and you know, depending on who I'm with and their sailing experience, their appetite, I might drop that number down to 20 knots. Uh, also if there's lots of thunderstorms, I, I, you know, I, I don't treasure the thought of being the tallest thing out in the middle of a big body of water, a big, tall aluminum pole sticking 60 feet above the water when there's thunderstorms around. It's just, it's just not pleasant. So those two things will, will usually make me stay put. Um, the other factor, although here on this trip in Narragansett Bay, we don't have to worry about it because again, waves are not a factor. But if we were going out into the ocean, uh, for example, when I sailed from Nova Scotia back to the United States, there was a big storm out in the ocean that passed over us while we were in port. And it takes, when there's a big storm like that, the waves build up really high and it takes them a day or two to calm down. So sometimes if there was a big storm just passed over you and you're going to go out into the ocean, open water, you may want to wait a little while to let the seas calm down. Uh, because that'll that'll take some some time. So yeah, I think those are sort of the main things that I think about. Interesting. I like it. So, all right, we plan the first leg of the trip, right? Remaining legs, more of the same or something different? Uh, yep, remaining legs would the the other legs would be the same. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about a couple of important things. One I know is important to you, and that'd be provisioning the boat. That is the food. <laughs> what mm -hmm. food are we going to bring on board? Water, fuel, those types of things. We can save that for an upper other episode. Uh, but I'll tell you the, the biggest thing that I think about is uh, for the other lakes. If we're going to planning a four-day trip, what I like to do, Mike, is I like to sail for three of those days. And I like to take one of those days as a cushion day to just in case we decide to stay someplace longer because we really like it or we get unexpected thunderstorms and we decide to stay in port. Um, so I don't like to pack my sailing trips really, really full. I like to leave some flex time in there and, and you can always sail more, right? That's an easy thing to do. 
But if you're, but if you set up your trip in such a way that each day you have to sail eight hours a day in order to make it back to where you're coming, where you came from, then you're on a tight schedule. So I like to leave it relaxed. It's just much nicer. It, it reduces my anxiety as well as captain of the boat because I'm not like stressing out over I got to be someplace by a certain time, et cetera. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's another big think, piece of advice. I think as advice. a new sailor, that stress reduction is also really important too, right? Yeah. Don't push yeah. it. Don't push it. All right. Don't push it. Yep. Great. So Bela, that's it. Well, Yeah, thanks. I learned a lot about planning a trip. I mean, you really went through the basics with me, which is cool. We need to kind of first start with figuring out exactly what kind of trip we want and then using the software or a paper chart, right, to kind of figure out your circle uh, look at some different options and, and plan it, understanding weather, tides, um, and looking at winds, I think, are all part of the the uh, the task at hand. But to me, this was a great introduction to planning for a trip. And now I feel like uh, next semester when I talk about uh, short uh, planning uh, uh, experiences, I can with confidence use sailing as an example and not feel like uh, I've exposed myself as a complete fraud. Uh, not to mention when I, I take my next sailing trip, I've got some some good advice. I'll download some of these apps and look at some of these tools, Bela, and I'll report back to you. So great. Listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you found our conversation interesting and thought-provoking. Uh, and if you have questions about what we discussed or you have some suggestions for future episodes or questions of your own, uh, I'll share the airtime. Please don't worry about it. Get in touch with us via email at sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, it'd be great if you hit that follow button uh, in your podcasting app, or better yet, tell a friend. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Thanks, Bela, from over here in Munster, Germany, where I can tell you the knots, the wind is 18 knots from the northeast at the current moment. Uh, that's it from Munster, Germany. See you next time.